Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world, and you can too. Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? But didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Hunt the World. I'm Brian Maiman, co-founder of Rolling Bones Outdoors. And to my left, as always, Tiny Tim, the Mountain Min, or something like that. You just Brian, make this stuff up as we go. I just try to make it up as we go. You know, we do this stuff, and, and it's got to be a little entertaining. Well, let's, put a, let's put a little bit of thought into that before next week. No, I'm not going to put any more thought in. Okay, Mountain Man Brian Martin, because he is world-famous Packer, uh, we will leave it at that, Packer. Okay, anyway. I can start a fire um, with a gallon of gas anywhere in the world. Exactly. And then Brad, Brad Dana across from me, um, Dr. Dr. Uh, Dentard Brad Dana. We'll go with that one today. How'd you like that? I just dropped that on this. So anyway. A lot of thought put into that one, too. (laughs) (laughs) You don't like that one, do you? That one's getting busted out here. Oh, and then Brian Leslie, of course. He's our PG-13 guy, and he's the editor of this. More like rated G. He's the censor. So exactly. He and would keep Disney so clean anybody over ten years old wouldn't watch it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. What are we doing? And then hey, hey, we do let's get to the real the real meat of today. We have uh, the one and only uh and actually the guy I enjoy watching most on television other than uh other than Jim Shockey and Colorado Buck. No <laughs> <laughs> Ouch Nick. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I apologize. But anyway, I, I, my apologies <laughs> to you for that. We got the one and only Nick Month on with us today uh, from Bone Collectors. So we're excited about that. So welcome into the Bone Cave. We love having you here today, Nick. The Bone Collector. Oh, bone yeah. Cave. Great to be here with you, goofballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't incredible. know how you. I don't know you how, how you got a civilized person like Brian to get in here with you guys. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I rename it the B- cave when everybody's here. <laughs> okay, so anyway, there you go. You just opened that up, Mr. Munt. <laughs> the civilized. Brian Martin's not very civilized. That might be the first time any. Were you talking about my, me, Brian, or Brian Martin? I'm talking about Brian Martin. Hey, thank you. That's what I thought you were referring to. Because it's, uh, uh, yeah, civilized and Brian Martin in the same sentence probably has not been used very many times. So anyway. Uh, welcome, uh, hey, welcome in. We're, we're glad to have you on. We will uh, uh, get to some uh, questions that we have for you. And I guess just to kick it off, we would love to have our audience here. You tell them how you got into the industry. I, I know you're from Spearfish, South Dakota. Obviously, we have a huge allegiance to Spearfish since our home office is here and we all live here and love it. But uh, we would love to hear uh, your story a little bit to get it started. Well, you know, it's... Uh Started a long time ago. I was born out of a fortune cookie, luckily for me. And uh, better than a Wheaties no, box. My, my hunting story is uh, it starts when I was really young. Um, my my mom's dad, my grandpa, had 
uh, farm, which is still in my, in my family in uh, the north central part of South Dakota, up around the town of Selby. And so from the time I can remember, I went with my grandpa and uh, we'd go to the farm and we'd shoot gophers and jackrabbits. And um, as I got a little bit older, um, I would go to my parents, my grandparents in the summer. And uh, basically I would beg my grandpa just to take me to the farm every day so I could shoot and chase animals around. And uh, he would take me there. We'd have to, we'd have to listen to Paul Harvey every day after lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and then once he kind of took a nap and listened to Paul Harvey, we'd go out to the farm. So he'd park and read a book, and I would just walk the creek, and uh, I would shoot basically anything that ran, flew, or swam from me, and just really became passionate about, you know, hunting small game at that point. And that's how I learned how to, literally how to stalk animals, and, and uh, just the passion of animals, I guess, is where it all stems from. I just love animals ever since I was a little kid. I wanted to be a vet, um, but wasn't smart enough in the math aspect of being a veterinarian. So rather than fix animals, I just decided to kill them. So got into hunting even more. And, um, after I got out of high school, uh, I went to barber school and uh, I was working in spearfish, uh, at my buddy Mark's barbershop. And I worked there for several years. Then I had an opportunity. Some friends of mine had a fishing boat in Alaska. So I just decided that I was going to quit working at the barbershop and go to Alaska and I work on the fishing boat. And when I got back from there, uh, there was a guy that was living in Sundance, Wyoming, uh, that was an outfitter. And um, his wife actually had a barbershop over there. And she kind of asked me if I would come over and help her a little bit. Because when I was out of town, Mark had hired somebody else to work in the barbershop. So I didn't have a job when I came back. And so um, I went to work with her over there. And, and no I didn't know this until I started working there. What's that? I said, no way. Yeah. And so I started working for her a little bit and I didn't know her husband was an outfitter. So we started talking and I had been doing a bunch of hunting at that time. And uh, he said, would, you know, would you ever consider being a guide? You know, I can always use good guides. And I said, heck yeah. And he said, well, my neighbor over here, his name's Jeff and he has an outfit too. And we've been kind of working together. I do kind of Montana stuff and, and he kind of does Wyoming and you could, you know, probably come to work for both of us. So that's when I met Jeff Smith from seven J outfitters. Um, he came over to the barbershop there and, and um, we talked and he said, yeah, you know, get your guide's license to come to work. So I went to work for 7G Outfitters and I worked there for four or five years um, full time basically. And, and uh, obviously we hunted whitetail, mule deer, antelope, elk and turkeys. And uh, that's where I met the guys from Realtree. So uh, Bill and David came and hunted with us. They, they heard about our show and they wanted, or they heard about our uh, outfit and they wanted to come hunt whitetails with us, archery whitetails, because they knew Wyoming was kind of, wasn't really on the map yet. It was just kind of get, getting started. Northeast Wyoming was kind of becoming a whitetail hotspot. It was a pretty well-kept secret at that time. And so we had Bill and, and David come, and um, I was guiding David Blanton, and uh, we basically just uh, hit it off right away. You know, David's a great guy, and um, the first morning of the hunt, I took him to his stand. He saw some deer, and there was a specific deer that we were chasing. And um, at noon when we came in, I said, you know, those – those days, as you guys know, are really long days. So you get out of the stand at nine o'clock in the morning and you go back into town and you got all day to screw around, shoot, get something to eat, whatever. And then you go back out about three o'clock and then, you know, it's getting dark about eight or eight or nine o'clock. So early September. a lot of downtime. Yeah. A lot of downtime in the middle of the day in September. So I just said, Hey, do you mind if I show you some of my footage? Well, over the years I had videoed 
uh, Jeff and Debs, all their kids shoot their first deer and their first turkeys. And um, at that time, you know, it was before all this filming craze. I had a, I had at the time a really nice camera, and so I videoed all these hunts. And so I showed David Blanton my footage, and he was like, "Man, you know, you run a really great camera." Um, it was the very first day too, and I'll never forget it. He said, "What would be the chances of getting you to come to work for us at Realtree?" And I said, "Done." <laughs> You're like, "Hey, check that one off. I'm in." <laughs> Done deal, you know. And I actually was kind of scared because, you know, I'm a pretty loyal person, and so I never, I didn't want to, you know, ever burn any bridges. And so I went to Jeff and Deb that very same day, and I said, "Hey, you know, David Blanton asked me if I would come to work for him at Realtree and run camera." And, I said, you know, it's, that'd be like a dream come true for me, you guys. I just would really love to do that. And Jeff said, you know what? That's a great opportunity. We'd, you know, we'll, we'll support you 100% if that's what you want to do, you know. And he said, but I just want you to work for us for one more year because I was kind of – I was one of their head guides myself and Kenny Morgan, who is still there. In fact, Kenny Morgan just uh, – he was just guide of the year for the Wyoming Guides Association after being a guide for 20 years. Oh, good years. for him. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, that was, that was a really cool honor for him. And um, – so he said, just guide for us for one more year. I was running a, a camp uh, down by Newcastle, Wyoming, and I had seven guides working for me down there. And so I worked for him for another year. And then my very first hunt that I filmed, um, Waddell had never shot a Miriam's turkey. So he came out and uh, we got him as Miriam's and I filmed it. And then just kind of took off after that. Michael Waddell and I just hit it off like, like we were long lost twin brothers, you know, and uh, just had a blast on that hunt. And you know, I started working for Realtree and um, went all over the country. I was pretty much Bill Jordan's right-hand man for about five years. I went everywhere with him. We flew on his jet. And we'd go from Wyoming to Montana to Illinois to Texas to you name it. I mean, we just went all over the place and um, just filmed all kinds of stuff, you know, and, and uh, had a blast doing it. And then as the years went on, and this is kind of the may seem like it's a long story, but this is kind of the shortened up version. We love it. No, it's a good story. (laughs) So, so, you know, um, at that time, Michael's persona was really was really growing and he was a full-time employee and producer at, at Realtree. And he wasn't getting a lot of camera time at that, at that point, you know, he was getting some, um, but everybody really liked his personality. He was really upbeat. He was funny. And so, they were sending Michael every weekend to different appearances all over the country. And so um, at that point, you know, Bill and David had been in the game for 10 years or so. And so they were kind of, I don't know if getting burnt out is the right term, but they were kind of cutting back on shows. David had kids, um, you know, Bill had Tyler and, and, you know, they were just kind of putting Michael into this situation where he could go out and meet and greet people. And so his persona was really starting to grow. Then they decided to do Realtree road trips, which I was a big part of in the beginning too. And so we brought this new look to outdoor television. It was a, you know, a behind the scenes look at what happened in camp. You know, at that point, most people were just doing a few cutaways of stuff in camp, maybe going out to the truck, maybe eating a meal. But we really concentrated on the, um, the social aspect of hunting camp. And we did you know, the wiffle ball games and dancing around and rapping and, just the the stuff that we do that's really fun in camp and we uh we just had fun with it you know we weren't trying to be anybody rapping you're you're rapping i know you guys are kind of legendary in the redneck world (laughs) but i just gotta tell you it's i mean you guys are great but nah it's 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 well anyway it's yeah go ahead (laughs) he's lost for words (laughs) i'm at a loss for words (laughs) so (laughs) 
so um so road trips just took off and that was where i really you know got my first couple opportunities to hunt um people just really loved it i mean it took off like crazy and so everywhere michael went you know he had huge lines and huge fanfare and i mean he was like an instant icon in the industry you know at that point you had a few a few big names that were really popular but at that time also you know outdoor channel was just starting to get popular there were only um, a few big you know shows that you could consider big time on the air and um you know, it just really took off. And so I was lucky to be a part of that. And, you know, still today I'm hosting road trips with T-Bone and Michael. We all, we all three host it now. Um, and then, um, you know, several years into that, uh, Michael's persona was just growing so much that it just really the only next step was for him to go out on his own. And so with Realtree's blessing, um, he quit there working full time. And then uh, he went to work uh, for Gander Mountain for a couple of years doing a, a Gander Mountain We Live Outdoors show and that I remember that kind of gave him they kind of that kind of gave him the money that he needed to start Bone Collector and so you know he wasn't like making a million bucks or anything but it, it paid pretty good and so he took all the money from that rolled it into Bone Collector uh, came to T-Bone and I one day and said hey you know it's time for us to start our own brand and um, do, an, do our own TV show and just you know take what we've learned at Realtree and kind of move it into our own deal and so we were all in, you know, and, and, uh, basically he said, you know, we're not going to make any money off the, from the get go. And, and I don't think any of us are in this for the money anyway. It's because we're doing it because we love it. We love to hunt. We love people. And, and that's kind of why we're doing it. And I was like, you know, I'm going from place to place now and, and money just is not what drives me, you know, hunting is. And so I said, if I can go hunting and, you know, get an opportunity to go all over the place and, and uh, shoot a bunch of animals and have a good time with you, man, I'm, I'm in. So we, we did it and man, it just like wildfire. It just took off and, and, um, you know, like I said, long story short brought us to today and we've still, we've still got a great relationship. You know, we've, uh, the three of us have a uh, really great chemistry still. Uh, we, we have small arguments like brothers do, but we've never had a big, big knockdown drag out fight of any kind. In fact, only the only fights that Waddell and I have ever been in is over scheduling and I want to go on all these hunts and he's he's like tell me you can't go everywhere so like one year <laughs> I drew this, this uh, I drew this Idaho sheep tag right well I had been on on uh, uh, the list to go to the Navajo and so that year when I drew this tag Michael said at that time the guys that were the former primos guys Chris Ashley and and Kevin Meacham and uh, those guys um they were, they were working with us through, through hardcore. Um, and so Michael said, you know, we're just going to send the hard, hardcore guys over there and we're going to let them take this elk hunt. And I was like, wait a minute, no way. No, I can just go straight from Idaho down to, <laughs> down to Idaho. No problem, you know? And Michael's like, well, it's a 10 day hunt. How do you know you're going to be out of there in time? I said, I'll make it. I know I will. And he's like, no, you're not, you can't do all of it. You know, you just got to pick and choose. And so we kind of got in a fight about that. And the bad thing was, these, I, I, I killed on like the fifth day of the hunt. I could have made it. These guys ended up <laughs> 390 bulls oh. in a 425 they killed. Oh, oh my god! So you had, you had right stuff. to be upset. I'd still be upset. Oh, I'd yeah. be like, let me, let me. So that's, the, you know, that's the only thing we've ever fought about. But, you know, it's been, it's been great so far. Um, you know, one of the things that, that uh, we've been so proud of over the years is, is um, you know, we don't really – do we want to all kill trophies? Yeah. I, I'm, a, I, I'm a trophy hunter. I want to kill the biggest animals I can. But what, one of the things that we've really pride ourselves in all these years is just 
working for the hunting industry. You know, we want people to, to buy tags. We want to get people involved. And we don't put all the emphasis on killing the biggest animals. We want to go out and show what it's like to have fun. We want people, new people to get involved. And, um, you know, just being ourselves and not being, you know, king, king of the hill kind of attitude. And, you know, you don't have to be uh, running up mountains or, you know, all that kind of stuff. We just want people to have fun with it. And that's what it's all about. And sometimes people lose sight of that. And so I feel like, you know, one of the things that we've really done well over the years is just kept sight of the fun aspect of hunting and it's a family affair. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's for everybody. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for the rich. It's not just for skinny guys in shape like Brad. It's for everybody. So, um, you know what I love most about you, Nick, is you have an incredible sense of humor because of your extraordinary imagination. You know why? Because he had he had to work with Mark for a few years, and that would give anybody. Oh, humor. you're right. Anybody has to work. And with anybody that had to guide clients for I didn't know you were a professional hunting guide for four or five years. If you I, don't have a good sense of humor after that, you'll probably commit suicide. Well, Nick and I, I used to play <laughs> basketball up at the college, but those days are long gone, aren't well, they? See, I didn't know you guys. I didn't, honestly didn't know Nick. Uh, oh, you didn't know? I told I didn't you know. he was a killing machine. No, I didn't know that he worked with Mark in the barbershop oh, business. Oh, yeah. and, then, and I didn't know he got it for Jeff and Deb Smith. I was there for one hunt in 1998. De- Je- Jeff asked, asked me to help guide one mule deer hunt. My hunter had a death in the family, and he had to go back after two days, so I ended up helping pack out um, a, a mule deer for another hunter. It was probably one of Nick's. What year were you there? <laughs> I was there um, in the fall. I was there from um, 1995, uh, 1995, I think, until 1998 was my last season, and I started working for Realtree. So I was but there I get, in 98. But I guided in the spring. So, so, so 97 might have been my last year. But I did guide in the spring. I did guide in the spring all the way until 2008 was my last spring. So did you cut the whole damn mule deer up and pack it in your backpack 50 yards to the Hold truck on. or what? No, no it, was a, it was a fairly good to, hike out. This is a true story, though, guys. He did, he did do that. You, you know why David Blanton had him become his video guy, right? Because um, he was tired of not killing anything, he said, "Nick, you got you got you got to be my video guy." <laughs> no, I'm totally <laughs> no, but but the, but the thing about Nick, though, honestly, most guys that are in in professional media and, and television actually have never been hunting guides, and so because you've been on that side of the fence, it gives you a way different perspective than somebody who's just as a hunter, um, because it's a you learn a lot more. I mean, the DIY guys know a lot, but you really want to go learn a lot. Go guide people for four or five years that don't know hardly anything and make them successful, you'll be a lot better yeah. hunter. And you'll see a lot of mistakes that you won't have to make yourself. And I think another thing that really helped is after I was a guide for those years, then I ran camera for nine years, and I didn't get to kill squat. So it made you hungry. I was, a, I, was, yeah. I was basically a guide then, too. You know, I would, I would yeah. take, um, you know, Realtree's a licensing company. So they have all these companies that they put their camouflage on. They don't manufacture anything. So the boot companies, the gun companies, the bow companies. So they would send me with a guy that, you know, was the – the CEO of a boot company and I would go with him and I would basically hang the stands and walk him through it and, and do everything and video yeah, your everything. personal and so assistant. By the time I got ready, you know, by the time I got in front of the camera, man, I had about 10 years I had to make up, man. I was like <laughs> freaking hungry for some meat boy. Yeah. So well, your first trip uh, to South Africa on a coal hunt, you were going to roll some so bones. I'm going to give you some advice. Yeah. Don't, 
bring Brian with you, Brian Maimon, because he'll take the gun away when you're feeling a little bloody. I've had no, it happen. But actually, actually, it gives me a whole new respect for Nick because, I mean, I'm a pretty straight shooter, and I've, I've seen very few people in the hunting industry who I respect at, at, at a skill level that's high enough to be in front of the camera. And that's why I, I told Brian, I, I, I honestly hardly watch any TV for hunting because most of it's not interesting for me. And most of it, I don't feel the guys have a very high skill level. And so if I'm not learning anything um, and, you know, I'm, that kind of stuff doesn't really entertain me. So when I saw your moose hunt where you and the cameraman shot those big moose, I told Brian, I said, that's actually guy knows what he's doing. And he's out there on his own. And that was impressive. And now I know why. Because you've, you started hunting from a child. You started hunting... Uh, guiding and dealing with hunters on, on both birds and big game. And so for you to go naturally into the hunting um, was a natural for you. I mean, you didn't, you already had a skill set that was like 98% higher than most of the other people in the industry. And that that's why when I saw the show, I go, this guy is pretty cool and he knows what he's doing, has a good sense of humor. And I think being behind the camera, being behind the gun, being behind whatever the binoculars and helping hunters, it gives you a t totally different perspective than most people who are who maybe are in the hunting business for the wrong reasons. You probably yeah. enjoyed filming though too, because it's a kind of a different type of hunting. It's oh, you know, I, you're I hunting did. for that shot. Good camera guys well, are, are right. super hard to find. Well, super, super still, being a good cameraman is is harder harder. Well, being a good cameraman is easy if you have a good hunter. If you have a bad yeah. hunter to film, your job is hell. We always said this. Yeah. You can make a hunter a cameraman. You can't make a cameraman necessarily a hunter. And, and that's, that, that's tougher. You just said something, though. You said you still love filming. filming. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that, I, that I've always taken pride in is just really good quality footage. And if you look at, if you look at the, all the stuff that we've done at Realtree and all the stuff at Bone Collector, I mean – our footage is freaking awesome. You know, we've got we've got amazing camera guys now. Really but good. for me, I mean, I just like getting that footage. And to be honest with you, I don't ever really even hunt by myself. I mean, it, like this, like this last this past couple of weeks, I've been turkey hunting a lot. And there's a bunch of days that I went out turkey hunting by myself. But I took a camera because I wanted on cam I want I wanted on film. You know, I loved it. I love the video and I love to get just kick ass footage. I mean, there's just something about that for me and. And almost all of our shows and all the shows that you see on Realtree, you know, um, the footage is great. It's not shaky. It's in focus. And it's just something that we've always, especially me, I mean, I just have always prided myself on really good footage. And I'm just an animal lover. I love animals. And so every one of the animals that I've ever killed, you know, I just, I got them all on camera. There's, there's only a few animals that I don't have on camera that I've killed. The, the two bears I shot in Russia, I didn't have camera. I went over there to film some guys. And then when it was time for me to, to shoot my bears, um, I didn't have anybody to film me. And then, um, this, this bighorn ram that I shot in Idaho right here, um, the government wouldn't give me a permit to, to film a TV show cause it's in a wilderness area, which is a bunch of baloney. Right. But, um, that w well, that must've been one of the first few years that they required filming on federal land or what year did you shoot that bighorn? No, they've been, it's been no, a while. Been. Cause no, we've, they've been doing we've, it for 15 years. Probably they've been requiring it. Yeah. Cause say. we've fought that in the wilderness that, that we, you so know, you can't film it all in the wilderness. So you just have to have a permit. You have to have a you permit, have but like permit. Wyoming that won't give them. They and then, and then you have them. to keep a daily log of when you're filming and what you're not. And it, it's, 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 it's a bunch of bureaucracy. We've actually had tags and we just didn't even go when we were doing the show. We just, cause we couldn't get a film permit. I just filmed it. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I shot that Ram, I shot that Ram in the river of no return wilderness. 
uh, the Frank Church, Church Wilderness. Yep. No re- yeah. Is that 26 and, or 27? The unit 26 or 27? 27, yeah. Yep. And it's a it's a rugged, I mean rugged. The, the guy Great that I hunted country, with, huh? he, he uh, when I would call, you know, I called him all summer long and just BS with him. And, um, he just kept telling me, make sure you're in shape, make sure you're in shape, you know, and then he gave me a list of guys to call. And I called some guys that, um, one guy told me he'd been on, 27 sheep hunts around the world and he said it's by far the toughest country he's ever hunted in. it is so i was like all right this is real well luckily for me before that i went on a moose hunt in alaska we shot two big bulls that we had to pack out and so i got my legs ready um the ram <laughs> muskeg uh, will do that I, to you i i spotted this ram um across this huge canyon and uh it took it literally took four days to get to it to kill it and coming out of there man it was it was brutal. You know, I know Brian, um, has done a ton of that and, um, you know, there's just something to be said for having 125, 140 pound pack on your back and having to walk out 20 miles or whatever it was. And that's man, I'm telling you, it's it was massive country. Was you must, were you glassing across the salmon when you spotted it? One of the breaks of the salmon or a different, you group? know, we were off on a side Canyon. Um, I don't even know exactly what this canyon was called. I went in there. Uh, the outfitter took us in on horses. Where we parked the truck was about 8,500 feet. We ro- rode down to his camp, which was next to the stream, at 5,500. Um, and then um, killed him all the way at the top on the other side. In fact, he had he told me he had ne- he's never even seen sheep where I killed this ram. And uh, it was really, really tough. I mean. Idaho's got a what, lot of steep. What, what year was that? Nasty. Was that 10 years ago or more? That was in fourteen, I believe. So you would you were you hunting with Melton or Far, one of those guys? Yeah, Dave Melton. I think yeah, Bighorn Guide Service. Yep. So you, do you are you uh, are you messed up in the head now with sheep because you got two of them? Did it screw with your mind a little bit? Oh, I definitely want to. I definitely would hunt sheep. I mean, it's just so rewarding and it's just so tough. And when you get done, you know you're completely right. exhausted and it's something i i, I want to kill the you know i want to kill the two northern sheep but i just don't know my income doesn't really allow for that so i i don't know if i'll ever get that done you know maybe if some maybe someday if an outfitter wants to work with me maybe i'll get lucky and, and finish out my slam but so you, um, you've been I, doing I, a lot of turkey hunting too your your southern boys they love that don't they that's that's like in their blood they you, you must get you must get Popped out, born with the turkey call in your mouth or something down there. Has that worn off on you? The turkey hunting? Uh-huh. Hey, did oh, you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, lo- I love it all. Did you To be that? honest with you, you know, What's people that? ask me. It's Popped probably the most born. asked question. <laughs> did, well, you hear that? did you hear that, question. Nick? Did you hear no. that? He uses great big words with all these syllables, and then he said, done, done popped out, born. <laughs> um, that was really Born with a turkey call in yeah, their mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Come on. The Southern yeah, guys right, have right. a lot more than that. So is that worn, is that worn off on you? You love that now? Well, he, well you it, guided them for eight it, years, if you could, five years. If you could choose between hunting turkeys for 30 days or sheep for 30 days, I'm pretty sure you're going to go for the sheep. Well, I love turkey hunting. I, lo- I do love it. But, but I really, um, honestly, it doesn't matter what I'm hunting. Because people ask me all the time, you know, what's your favorite thing to hunt? It's really tough for me. It's Whatever I'm hunting at the time is my favorite because I love it all. I mean, I just... You know, um, I'm not a bird hunter. I just don't get into, I don't get into upland game. And, you know, it's fun to shoot ducks and geese and stuff, but it just doesn't really, it doesn't get my heart beating where, you know, turkey hunting and, and, and obviously big game hunting is my, it's what I love more than anything. You know, it just gets my heart beating. It's like a drug to me, you know, and I actually get like a, like a crash afterwards. I'm 
hunt's over, I just kind of go into a little funk for a little bit and get a, you know, almost like a uh, adrenaline dump. And I'm almost like depressed for a while because it's over, you know, because I just freaking love it. Like, I love it. Like, there's just nothing... Well, bird, like it for me, you know. I want to say something but so bird, bad right but now. But bird hunting, bird hunting is kind of like fly fishing on the Gallatin, and sheep hunting is kind of like climbing Mount Everest. <laughs> totally different concept of commitment, and a totally different. Um, you like, there's very few people that could do the hunt you did in the, the breaks in Idaho there in those big canyons and come away wanting to do it again. The best Which, thing, the best thing about pheasant hunting is it starts at noon in South Dakota. And so, you know, I've always thought about that. Is that is that strategic so that everybody's going out and pumping uh, up the, I, the I economy? Think, I think area? that's an economic booster from the night before. Or is yeah. it because is it because all the birds are out on the roads in the morning oh. and they don't want them to get killed by it, road? It's because allegedly, right? It's because the guys are hungover and they're not safe to shoot until noon. So that's, that, that's what I think. The the best thing about pheasant hunting is you get to go <laughs> archery deer hunting in the morning, and then it's like okay. Right. The hunt, uh, it's time, time, I guess, yeah, we should go shoot a couple of pheasants now. <laughs> so, hey, speaking of that ram, since I'm, a, since I'm a numbers guy, that ram looks like a pretty old ram and at least a mid-170s. Yeah, it's actually, um, when I took it in, the, the, guy, the uh, guy at the Game and Fish said, it's at least 10 and a half years old. Yep. And I think it scored 163, but okay. it has a lot of horn broomed up. Yeah, I can't really see from here. I guess I don't have as good eyes as I used to, but it's definitely yep. a very old ram. You can <laughs> see it's almost shaped like a California bighorn. It was all by itself, and it's cool because I, I actually spotted it, and um, it was there was this point that came out, and it was just standing out on this point, like looking over this unbelievable huge valley. I mean, just crazy. And... Uh, it stood there motionless forever, and I kept telling Dave where it was, and, and then a, a guy named um, Matt Yock was there too, and I kept trying to show it to him, and they just couldn't see it. It was just standing motionless, and I just I set the spotting scope up and just kept telling Dave, he's standing there. Just keep looking. Just keep looking, and finally he moved a little bit, and they saw him, and, it, and he's like, oh, yeah, that looks like a pretty nice ram, and he kind of gave us different look, and it was, you know, he kind of kind of drooped out and, and came out a little bit, you know, and so... I go, he looks good enough to me. And Dave goes, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a good one, you know? So we went and made a plan. And, and then, uh, after getting all the way over there, we got down kind of on this point and I started looking and then I actually found him again down and he had moved about, oh, probably about 400 yards to the South. And, uh, it was just awesome. I mean, it was just a, it was amazing. I mean, it was, you know, just one, one to remember because it's just that, so much damn work. That doesn't happen very often when the hunter finds the uh, sheep for the guide. Especially not for you. But no. <laughs> it was awesome. Man. It was, uh, <laughs> Especially not for Brad. Good. <clears throat> I mean, like Dave, Dave Melton, you know, he's spent his, li his whole life in that country. And he's, an, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's got great eyes and really has his stuff together there. You know, I mean, it, it, it was great. So. I met Just Dave probably in the late 90s, 96, between 96 and 98, I met Dave. Yeah, he was really, I don't, I don't know if Dave even still outfits today, but he was quite well known yeah. even then. Oh, yeah, Brian, he does. Yep, he good. Does. So he, how, uh, how old would Dave be, late, late 50s? Yeah, I think so, yeah. He just got a new knee put in when I was up there with him several years ago. His knee was real bad, and so he didn't go on the hunt. You know, he, he came out and glass with us and rode out and everything. 
but he didn't really do a ton of hiking because his knee was really bad. And so he had it fixed this year and he says it feels as, as good as it has in the last 10 or 15 years. So he's going to get back out and good. get to do some more hiking around now. Yeah. He's one of the best pack in outfitters in uh, Idaho. Hey, quick question for you. Um, just, just so we know, if you had to do it over again, would you make any changes? I, I, I've been, I've been wanting to ask you that. You know, you've had a heck of a run. Uh, you're an icon in the industry. You're, you're one of the, you're one of my, I guess my biggest observation of you personally is n- not only you're super positive and you got a great sense of humor, but you are such a. Uh, contributor to the host sport. I mean, you just you just bleed it and you give so much. What would you do different uh, if you had to do anything over again? Yeah, I, I don't think anything really. I mean, I you know, the the crazy part is is I got married when I was forty five, and up until then, man, I just did I just did whatever I wanted basically. So. <laughs> How old are you now? Forty six. My wife, and a half? my wife would say I got married 40, at twenty two, yeah. but I've been spending the last forty five years doing whatever I or twenty five years doing yeah. whatever I wanted. So anyways. I'm forty forty seven. I'm forty seven now, and and uh, you know, I just uh, I just I I got to live it, man. I just hunted everywhere and and lived on people's couches for about twenty years and. <laughs> it was, you know, it was, uh, it was great. You know, my wife's very understanding now, you know, she lets me, she lets me do my job and, you know, I can continue to do what I've always done with parameters. Of course, now I gotta, gotta put, uh, dates on my trips and come home for a few days and then go on the next one. But where before I would just go from trip to trip to trip and, and, you know, I was, I was gone from August 15th until January 1st, um, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't <laughs> you no have man. any regrets about anything. Maybe, maybe, maybe I would have been born to some rich parents where I could have went and done some more sheep hunting and, and, uh, you know, gone to more, you know, cause I'd like to do, you know, for me, like Waddell doesn't care anything about shooting a, you know, really any of the sheep or, or going to Mongolia or, you know, doing any of the Asian stuff. I mean, he just doesn't care about it. And I've been to Pakistan. I went with Corey Knowlton to Pakistan and we shot a bunch of animals and, um, I love that, and I would Set the do, hook. I would do that in a heartbeat if I could afford it. You know, doing, you know, doing, you know, getting some of those Argali and and the ibex piece. All those ibex really turned me on, man. I just love ibex. Me, me I too. Just, I've never gotten to kill any of those. And, um, well, you'll have to you know, go if I with had us. The cast, <laughs> well, doing, hey, but. hey, Nick. I think we should fix. <laughs> I think we should fix this. I think we should fix this problem. And we should go over there. We know this guy by the name of Brian Martin with Asian Mountain Outfitters. And uh, we'll have to get that yeah. fixed. Hey, um, in, in the last couple minutes we have with you, um, I just want to tell you that we're excited personally about the Munt Agency. Um, it's uh, exciting times for you. Uh, having your own yep. booking service with us, through us, as a part of us and a part of your own. Um, we couldn't be more proud to be in business with you and excited um so why don't you give us two minutes at why you uh said hey i'm gonna go into the booking business and and obviously we know and uh you listening today you got it i mean you got to know that anybody that's had this type of experience will be a genius at this and already is but uh expound on that for a second well and so you know for years i just basically people would send me an email and they'd ask me where to go. And so I just would send them here or there and with the outfitters that I knew. And, you know, I know tons and tons of outfitters. So I just decided, um, you know, there's a lot of people that want to go on a good hunt and 
you know, just being able to help facilitate that for people is really something that um, I want to do because I run into people all the time say, man, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. Even, you know, kind of like myself with some of the, you know, some of the um, exotic type hunting that I, that I would like to do. Um, so I just wanted to start um, an agency that could help people facilitate that. And then, and then working with you guys with uh, what you have and the software and um, that's just a key component of it. And uh, I just think that, you know, everybody should be able to go on, on a, on a hunt of their lifetime that they want to do. And, and I just, I just really want to be able to help people to do that. And then, you know, being able to do things like put a hunt on layaway or even finance a hunt, because let's face it, a guy that makes 50 grand a year, he, he's probably not going to be able to spend 25 grand on a moose hunt. And, uh, you know, to be able to help facilitate that for people is, is really big for me. And, um, and so I decided to, I decided to name it, um, NW Munt and Associates Adventure Agency because I don't feel like I know everything. And there's a lot of good people out there, um, that I know that are not only booking agents, but outfitters. And so, um, I just figured, you know, if I get a guy that wants to do something that I don't know about, um, I can use one of my associates to help steer him in the right direction. So, you know, I've, I've got a few contacts here and there, but if a guy wants to go to Asia and, and shoot a Gobi, he can, I can get him hooked up with Brian and, and he can go, or, you know, if I want to send a guy to Africa, um, my buddy Corey Knowlton is, is, knows a lot of people there and, and people around the world. So, um, I want to use people that I know to help my clients get to the places that they want to get to. And, and I have a lot of great outfitters myself that I've worked with over the years and that are very successful and, and know what they're doing. And I would feel very confident in sending people there, but there are a lot of places that I don't know about, um, that I can use my associates to help me get those people there. So, you know, that's, that's kind of why I named it that. And, um, pairing with uh, guys like you that have a lot of opportunities and, and good outfitters at your disposal or what I was looking for. And so I felt like this was home. You know, I did, I used to work with a, another company and, um, I had a great relationship with those guys, but I felt like this company was definitely going to take me to the next level and, and help me get to where I want to be as not only a booking agent, but just somebody who helps people realize their dreams in hunting because let's face it, man, there's a lot of people out there that want to just go to Kansas on a deer hunt that never are going to do it because number one, there's an intimidation factor there that they don't know how to do it or where to go. And number two, they may not have the money to to just pull five five grand out of their account and and put it on the hunt. So working with you guys, being able to um, finance some of these hunts, put them on layaway and, and, and possibly even, you know, maybe like put, put it on a credit card and pay for it that way is an option. So just made sense for me, you know? Well, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Um, Brian, Brian, Brian Martin. Uh-huh. It's like two Brian's <laughs> all in one, but we got like three Brian's here. So, and Brad and Nick, well, we got, you're PG, one of the, you're one PG of the 11 guests. and PG, not uh, anything. Uh, yeah. No, no PG, no filter. Hey, hey okay. before you, before you close this out, yeah. before you close this out, can I ask a question? Yes. So, um, <clears throat> You know, before I, before I um, got got to meet Brian here, I heard about Brian a long time ago. Brian Martin, um, I heard about him from Corey Knowlton, and this is the story that I heard. So he says, "Yeah, there's this 
you, and you know Corey, Brian. Oh, yeah. Corey says, yeah, there's, there's, this, there's this tough son of a bitch that I know from Canada, Brian Martin. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, I've never heard of him. He goes, oh, yeah. And he says, oh, he's a tough. I mean, he's tough. And he goes, you, you're never going to believe this. He goes, he got this new uh, area that he wanted to check out in the Yukon or the BC or whatever. And so they flew him out there 75 miles into the bush. And they dropped him off. And he was going to go scout this new territory. And he got out there. And within about an hour of him getting out there or whatever, he slipped and fell in the river and got completely soaked. Soaked all of his stuff. And he was so pissed off, he just walked back to town 75 miles. And <laughs> told me the legend. Told me the legend of, of Brian. And, and uh, so I want to know, is that a true story? Is that true? Uh, probably not. But <laughs> I, I, did, I, I did have an area in 1998, the year that I... Uh, uh, Jeff asked if I could guide one hunt for him, and the plane um, was backlogged with weather and fog, and, and I, I ended up meeting a bunch of BC residents at Dee's Lake, and I said, well, when are we going to get out to the hunting area? And they said, probably not for another two or three days, and I said, well, you can't fly, right, pilot? And he said, yeah, no, I can't fly. I said, um, will you take my truck and uh, drive me up the road about, I don't know, I think it was 100 and some miles, and I said, I have a map and a compass, and I know where the base camp is, basically. And I said, drop me off, and I'm going to hike in to the base camp. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, so that was, uh, so I hiked in cross-country. I remember I knocked on the door about, there were some guys at the lake, and I didn't know if it was the outfit or not, there was a plane there, and I knocked on the door, and you could hear them eating inside. It was probably about 4 or 5 o'clock at night, and it doesn't get dark, it was just September, and you could hear dead silence. Because they know the outfitter wasn't there. <laughs> and, and they're and like, where did Sasquatch you? They, they go, is here. <laughs> how did you get here? I said, I don't hear any horses, and I don't see an airplane. I said, oh, I hiked in from the road in about two and a half or three days. What? <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> that day, we hung out that night, and uh, the next day, around 2 o'clock, I said, well, I better hike out. Um, start hiking out because the guy's going to pick me up around this. Well, I, I actually have to hitchhike out because I don't have a way to call him. I didn't have a satellite phone or anything. So I hiked about two or three hours that night, and I found a good place. The moose were fighting, and I remember I thought it would be a cool place to, to sleep. And I woke up the next day, and I hiked another day um, out, and then I hiked a day out. And it took me two days two, two, two days to get out. and that, you know, Two days and a night usually takes the horses three days. And um, <laughs> There you go. <laughs> And I hitchhiked to the road. I, hitched, I, I hiked to the township of Cassiar and then hiked out to the highway. And I, I was kind of scruffy looking with a gun, and I, people didn't want to pick me up. So I had to walk to a gas station, and there was this, like, crusty old miner-type guy. I said, man, <laughs> nobody wants to pack, take me. And he, he drove me down to Dee's Lake. <laughs> but I have fallen in a river. I didn't fall in any rivers there, but I did fall in a river once, too. Um, but I didn't fall in. I had a cross at high water, and I had no choice. I got washed down the river until I could get out, but only about yeah. 100 yards with a full pack. Okay, all right. Well, something like that. I knew you walked a long way. but I've done many of those walkabouts. So yeah. there, there you go, the legend of Brian yeah. Martin and, and, and the icon of Nick Munt, all on one single podcast, guys. So there you go. I love it. Hey, I, we do appreciate you being on today, Nick. 
And go check his website out, uh, themontagency.com, and he is there. And we are excited about our future, bringing quality and great hunts to you. We really do have a passion for delivering world-class adventures, no matter if it be a javelina hunt in Texas or Arizona or a Marco Polo hunting with the great to AMO or, uh, you know, one of our outfitters or one of Nick outfitters. We just have a passion for helping you get what you want. For great gear, great adventures, and great service, go check our membership out at rollingbones.com or at Nick's website. We're good with either one, man. We're excited about what we're doing. We appreciate you like crazy. We'll help you apply. We'll help you uh, get the money, get uh, organized, and get things budgeted for that world-class adventure that you'll remember for a lifetime. So, hey, until next week, we appreciate you. Nick, you're world-class, brother. We do appreciate you, and thanks for doing what you do. Good talking to you tonight, Nick. Nice. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for the story, Nick. Now I I respect you even more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he was a a turkey. I can be be a little bit judgmental at times. I hate to admit it, but I usually give people the chance. No, you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he was a guide. He was a guide, and, and I told you he's Look, a killer. Anybody man. who did nine nine years behind the camera is super patient. Yeah. Super patient. Can you imagine watching people miss when they didn't need to? Can you imagine people making people look good who doesn't don't deserve to look good? <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you're awesome, brother. Have yeah. a good one. Appreciate you having me. Stay safe. Thanks, Be healthy. Fellas. And we'll see you next time.